Welcome to The Little Sleep Show, a podcast about helping your children and family get the sleep you need. Hosted by Laura Meyercourt. Hello and welcome to The Little Sleep Show. I am your host, Laura Meyercourt, and I'm an infant and child sleep consultant. And I created The Little Sleep Show to spread the word about building healthy foundations and healthy sleep habits for children, and also how to parent mindfully. And then I let you know how these two ideas are connected, because sleep is all about connection. When your child feels feels connected to you, they are able to calm and soothe themselves much more easily, and that contributes to a better night's sleep for everyone in the household. So today's episode is something very near and dear to my heart. And I'm very excited to bring it to you. I'm going to be talking all about mindfulness. And this is really a mindfulness for beginners episode. I have included an interview in this episode with a very dear friend of mine. His name is Shadi Saba. And Shadi is a social worker, but he really focuses his area of expertise on mindfulness and the benefits of mindfulness. Um, His area of study is really with veterans and people with PTSD, but you'll see that the ideas that he talks about in our interview can be applied to everyone who's interested in bringing a mindfulness practice into their lives and into their parenting. And then after the interview, I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about what does mindfulness mean in parenting and how can we be more aware of what's going on inside us so that we're able to be present for our children. The reason that mindfulness is so important to me to share with you is that I started experimenting, I guess you would call it, with mindfulness probably about seven and a half years ago. And I had heard about the benefits of meditation and mindfulness was just really starting to become a popular topic and coming into the public eye a lot more. And I did explore different teachers and different methods of mindfulness and meditation. I read books. I looked at the teachings of Eckhart Tolle and John Kabat-Zinn, both of whom, and Thich Nhat Hanh, all of those whom I still really appreciate and um, reflect on today. And I also began to try to incorporate meditation into my life. And it's taken me several years to develop a daily practice, but I've mentioned this in previous podcasts that I do about a two-minute meditation every morning as part of just sitting and drinking my coffee in the morning. And it has really given me so many benefits in my life. I'm able to, I think, tune into myself a lot more I'm able to notice when things are bothering me that are outside myself and I'm able to sit with it for a moment and kind of question why is this bothering me, what in me needs to change in order to accept what's happening. You know, things like that that really help us be a lot more present in the world. And then as parents, if we're in touch with what's going on with us and our feelings in the moment, we can then separate this from our children's feelings. And I did talk a bit about this in my episode on crying and how our children are learning about feelings and emotions. They don't know anything except for what we teach them. And to encourage our children to be emotionally healthy, we need to show them how to 
be able to sit with uncomfortable feelings. And if we can't sit with uncomfortable feelings and separate those from our children, then how can we ever show our children how to sit with uncomfortable feelings and reactions and how to calm themselves and how to self-regulate and how to soothe themselves? So you can see how this is a very important topic and how it can be really beneficial to not only yourself, but also your your children and your family and your your spouse or your partner, too. I know that mindfulness in my life, it just gives me a built-in pause where I'm able to stop at least half the time, not, definitely not all the time, but at least half the time I'm able to stop and say, does that really need to be said? Is that really necessary? Before something reactive comes out of my mouth, I'm able to stop. And I credit that 100% to my attempts, however flawed they were, at incorporating mindfulness into my life. Stay tuned after the interview, and I'm going to talk more about parenting mindfully and how we can put this into practice in very simple ways within our own family. So, Shadi, will you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to study mindfulness? Sure. So, let's see. I was introduced to meditation generally and, and mindfulness specifically around 10 years ago. Basically, I, I just, you know, I found it very helpful for just sort of the, the things that I was going through at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I found it helpful pers- personally. And I, I pretty quickly started to practice regularly. And shortly thereafter, I sort of got into, started to, to kind of do a career change and get into uh, mental health and, and pursue a career in becoming a, a therapist. And having experienced the benefits of mindfulness myself, I, I was drawn to uh, sort of like therapy techniques and modalities that incorporated mindfulness. This was around the time, you know, mindfulness was getting becoming really big in sort of like the public eye and mm-hmm. mental health and, and health and wellness generally. Um, so these, these therapies that incorporated mindfulness were also pretty popular. I pursued training in a couple of modalities, acceptance and commitment therapy, later mindfulness-based stress reduction, and dovetailing with that, you know, I was sort of practicing myself, get, you know, sitting with, with different groups, sitting with different teachers, sort of growing my own practice as I was, again, kind of learning to, to share it with, with, with clients. I'm now a PhD student in, in social work, which is, the, which, is, which is ultimately the field that I, that I went to. What motivated me to pursue a PhD, which essentially I'm getting research training, after I finished my master's program, I took a position at, at, the v, at, at a, a veterans hospital in Pittsburgh where I was involved with several research projects, a, a couple of which involved uh, sort of investigating the use of mindfulness for veterans with different conditions. And so that was sort of my introduction to being involved with mindfulness research. And again, that, that experience sort of motivated me to pursue research training of my own. And so currently, I'm at the University of Southern California pursuing that PhD in social work, learning to conduct, you know, research generally, and mm-hmm. specifically the, the lab that I'm in, you know, has a number of projects that involve mindfulness generally around helping uh, individuals with substance use and with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. That was sort of a long-winded <laughs> answer, but um, I'm involved, I'm ba- so I'm basically involved with I've I've, I've uh, really enjoyed being involved with with you know teaching mindfulness um, 
like clinically as well as, as mindfulness research, and both of those things kind of sprout from and, and um, are influenced by my personal experience and the benefit that I've yeah, I totally concur with all that, Chad. You know, you're definitely, I would say, one of my the biggest influences on me with incorporating mindfulness into my life. And we've had, over the years, we've had a lot of conversations that have been really enlightening. I really appreciate having you as my friend and somebody I can talk about this stuff with because not everybody wants to talk about mindfulness, you know? Thanks, Laura. And I've learned a lot from you as well because, you know, you. I think you... You know, I, I know that you've you know you've practiced as well, and you you're very insightful, and I, and I I've appreciated your you know your curiosity and your your sort of desire to, to talk about these ideas. It's fun. Thanks, Shetty. That's why we're such good friends. Mutual appreciation. <laughs> um. So, all right, for someone who is really new to the whole idea, what what do you, how would you describe mindfulness to someone who doesn't really know much about it? So I think it's helpful to kind of um, contrast it with sort of the way that we tend to experience life by default. Mm -hmm. And so maybe if you're listening to this, maybe you've had the experience of driving somewhere and all of a sudden getting there and being like, oh, whoa, like, like how did I get here? Like, I wasn't even, <laughs> even paying attention. Like, how am I safe? Like... How am I alive, right? Like yeah, well, every day, pretty that. much. <laughs> totally, totally, that, that autopilot. And so we tend to go through life um, sort of stuck in our heads, right? Like thinking about the future, worried about um, things that happened in the past, kind of, you know, ruminating like, oh, my God, I can't do that. Um, you know, even just mundane things like, oh, I, I want to, what am I going to have for dinner? I do the to-do list that's going on in the mind. And that, you know, one that that really can be anxiety provoking, right? Like like all the, the sort of worry about the, the narrative that's that's going on and that I'm telling myself about my life. Mm -hmm. Um and, and that and that can sort of take our attention away from from like the joy and the um you know, wonderful things that are that are available and, and right in front of us, right? Like I'm sitting here with my cat right now and I and I when I'm worried about my the things in my head, like I'm, I'm less apt to enjoy petting my cat, playing with my cat, like looking at my cat. But when I'm here, present with my cat, you know, I, I experience the, the love and joy of being with my cat. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a, a silly example, but you can you can probably imagine how that applies in a number of areas of your life. Oh, definitely. Well, that applies to parents too with our kids. You know, we're always thinking of a million things that we need to get done. And not actually sitting there and appreciating the moment with them. So I think that's a great that's a great example. Exactly. And so that and so that quality that you that you just described, like the sitting the sitting there with them, appreciating them, being present. Like like in a nutshell, mindfulness refers to that that being present. Mindfulness as a state of being is the quality of being awake, present, sort of not in your head, just like being with what is. So, but when people talk about mindfulness, generally, what what they're referring to, or what they're often referring to, is a pra the practice of mindfulness. Mm -hmm. So, when you think about kind of meditation practice, maybe you imagine somebody, you know, sitting cross-legged, or even just <clears throat> sitting on a chair, and what they're doing in mindfulness meditation 
is they are practicing leaving their attention on something in the present moment. So that might be like your breath, that might be your body, it might be a sound. Um, and so you're practicing paying attention to what's happening in the present moment and sort of setting aside thinking, setting aside judgment, and, and, and sort of coming back repeatedly for the moment. Mm-hmm. So what happens when, you're, when, you're pra- when you sort of practice mindfulness in that way is you start to develop the ability or the, the, the state of being mindful in your everyday life. And so it seeps into your interactions with your kids, your interaction with your cat. In that way, it's also taking you out of your mind um, uh, sort of day-to-day and, and, and potentially reducing stress, reducing anxiety, um, things like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a great description. I think that's the perfect way to say it, and I do say this in some of my in some of my previous podcasts. I talk about it being a practice, and yeah. it really is. Even though I've been trying to practice mindfulness for over seven years, I still feel like I'm a complete infant at it, you know, because... There's some days when I'm doing my morning meditation and for, you know, it's usually a two or three minute, I do a short one. And for two of those three minutes, I'll be completely running through my to-do list. And then I'll be like, oh, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be here now. And even though I'm only getting, let's say, 30 seconds to a minute, it's still something that I can apply to my day-to-day life. And I do now that it's become a practice for me. So I'm glad that you talked about the practice of mindfulness, that it's not just You know, I think a lot of people get this misconception about meditation, that you're supposed to empty your mind of all thoughts during meditation. (laughs) That's not true, right? Absolutely. You you hit it on the head. Actually, as you were talking, um, that's what was sort of coming up at me, is that that fact that that's the the response that I get most often from people when when meditation comes up. It's like, oh, I can't do that because I... I can't not think, I can't not empty my mind. Mm-hmm. And, my, and my response is always, um, you know, that's, that's why we practice, right? Like, I don't practice meditation because I'm good at it. I don't practice meditation because my mind is naturally, like, able to empty or clear. I practice because it's hard and because, because my default is to, you know, almost be the opposite of thankful. And so even small, even small incremental changes towards more mindfulness can be hugely impactful, right? Mm-hmm. So, and even in, in yeah. sitting meditation, when you're um, repeatedly coming back to the breath or, or to, to whatever the anchor is that you've chosen, and you notice, oh man, like I've been, I've been kind of lost in thought this whole time. The simple, the simple fact of, of coming back, practicing coming back to the moment even one time means you practice mindfulness yeah. that day. And it's great because that's what's happening day to day in our lives, or, or moment to moment in our lives, right? Like the practicing returning on the cushion or on, you know, on the chair or on the bed or wherever you're practicing sort of that formal practice, mm-hmm. that's, that's able to seep into the, to the day to day because the mind is working in the same way in both contexts and you say, and so you kind of get practice noticing what your mind does and, and returning. You know, if we were, if we were, our minds were perfectly clear um, when we sat in meditation, I don't know that we would, I don't know that we would learn much about how to, how to live our lives mm-hmm. in the, in the midst of distress, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. Well, I know that I use, so I use a breathing meditation every morning and I definitely like when I get bouts of insomnia, I do practice the breathing meditation. So it's been really beneficial to me in that way of now that it's becoming a practice for me, I'm able to actually apply it when I really need it in my life. But that's taken a lot of time. For someone who's completely overwhelmed, a parent, you know, let's say it's a parent with a few small kids and they feel like they have no time for themselves, where can someone who's just really overwhelmed and just feels like this is just one more thing to add to their to-do list, do you have any suggestions of a place to start for that that person? That's a great question. And I, I like what you said earlier about, like, you know, even even just 30 seconds in a day of, mm-hmm. of sort of practicing um, this thing is, is, is beneficial and can be transformative. I think um, when I started out, the person that sort of first encouraged me to practice that, you know, bookend your day with a minute in the morning and a minute at night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm not a parent, but I'm a student and a pet owner. And I, you know, so I, 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 I empathize with, you know, you know I'm, right, like right now I'm, I, I have midterms. And so it's like, oh man, I, like I can't take on one more thing. Yeah. I think we all have a minute, you know, mm-hmm. we all have a minute to start. And what can be really helpful is saying to yourself, you know, setting a time of the day and saying, you know, either first thing in the morning or after I brush my teeth or right before I, you know, shut my light off at night, like I'm going to set aside a minute or two minutes and, and start to practice this thing. The other thing that I found really helpful, and actually I continue to find really helpful, is finding, you know, a, a an app or a, or, a, or a book by somebody that kind of a mindfulness teacher or, or mindfulness-related content that you find you really connect with. And, you know, even spending... A minute or two with that kind of content mm-hmm. um, can really sort of like, you know, prime your mind to be thinking about this stuff during the day. Yeah, so there are, you know, there are apps like uh, Headspace or Insight Timer. There are really good books. The kinds of books I'm talking about, you know, wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, you know, and, and, and like, uh, 200-page, like, long chapter, like, really intellectual. Like, I'm talking about things that are sort of more like little, little like, almost daily reflection mm-hmm. books to sort of have um, that, that you might read through, like, really slowly. You know, I, I think even one mindful breath yeah. is better than, 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 not, than not doing it. A hundred percent. That can change the course of the day. It really can. I've, I've lived it. You know, wake up in the morning... I'm breathing, I'm alive, like I, I can feel my breath as I take breath, like wow, like, you know, I'm alive, right? Like just being aware of you being like awake and alive and present and breathing, you know, and taking and taking moments during the day, again, to notice that fact. It doesn't have to be 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it goes back to that appreciation that you kind of talked talked about at the beginning, the appreciation of the of the moment. And I think as parents, that's something that we can maybe practically apply. You know, I certainly experience moments with my kids or my husband where I just pause and take it in for a minute about how good it feels. And then maybe five minutes later, it's screaming at everybody, you know, but <laughs> at least I've, I've tried to appreciate the moment for what it is. And it 
it does get easier, but it this this really does take time. And it, I think for me, it's also taken a lot of experimenting of what I like and what I don't like, and also tuning out what other people. You know, I like to take suggestions from other people, but then if it doesn't work for me, I don't put the pressure on myself to try to make it work because that's like the opposite of mindfulness, right? It's forcing. I really like that. And I think that treating um, really any kind of uh, sort of like new, like when trying to develop kind of like a new habit like this or, or exploring exploring an area like this, I, I, I really like the idea of, making it an exploration and mm-hmm. saying, like, you know, I'm not going to figure out today what the rest of my life in mindfulness practice is going to look like, <laughs> but I'm, I'm sort of open to exploring this area and seeing, like, what kinds of things help, help me, how they help me, like, because even for me, you know, like, um, you know, almost, you know, a, a few years into doing this, like, I, you know, I still find new techniques, new sort of uh, guidance, like, new teachers, mm-hmm. um, you know, new YouTube videos, whatever, that I'm like, oh, wow, like, I really I really like this one. The other thing that you, you mentioned, you know, it can be really nice to sort of notice the, you know, the moment-to-moment joy and presence, and then sometimes, and then, and then you know, inevitably that goes away, right? Yep. And I, but I think bringing mindfulness to even, you know, moments that are challenging, even moments that are mundane, practicing Sort of like you know, you're having an argument with your spouse, or your kids acting up, and you're and you're reacting, and and and, and something you can start to do is just sort of become curious about your own reaction, your own sort of tendency to, you know, act habitually in whatever way mm-hmm. you might when you're when you're triggered or when you're activated, <clears throat> and so that so you can as you start to bring mindfulness into into these moments, you can sometimes even stop the kind of autopilot reactions that you have. That might, you know, make take a take a difficult, challenging situation and make it worse. So you might see yourself, oh wow, I notice myself getting becoming very angry. Like let me let me sort of what does that feel like in my body? Like where do I feel that anger in my body? Oh, let me let me breathe into that, right? Like and so certainly kind of that formal practice, um, you know, the taking the time out of the day to to sit or to even you know do a walking meditation or whatever um, that can help us to develop the ability to, to bring mindfulness into mm-hmm. you know, both nice and challenging moments. Yeah. But what you can also do, if you don't, you know, you can also just practice bringing mindfulness into the moment, mm-hmm. right? Like that's, in the, that's certainly another form of, of practice. And I think that in, in, in a, that in some way answers the question of like, hey, I don't have time to, to do this. Well, we can start to practice making more and more moments that are happening anyway, moments of mindfulness. I love that. that. Yes. Seeing how that helps, yeah. That's so great. That, to me, is like the perfect place someone can begin if they're feeling overwhelmed. So I love that. And I do yeah. talk a lot about, you know, how we as parents need to kind of tune into ourselves and notice our own feelings in the moment and how they're influencing right. the situation. And so this is why I thought this episode was so important, because I think a lot of people just are like, oh, I don't have 15 minutes to meditate, you know, and it's like, no, you don't you don't even need that. You could just start right now. This has been a really great conversation. So I I really appreciate your input and your 
kind of your expertise, I guess, your own trial and error with it. Yeah, I think this is going to probably help a lot of people and open their eyes to mindfulness not being overwhelming or complicated, but actually being really simple. Thanks, Laura. I appreciate it. So I think the main takeaway from this interview is that you can start very small and still have an impact on your day-to-day life by attempting to practice mindfulness, by noticing what's going on around us, by taking a moment to appreciate and to be grateful, by taking a moment to take a deep breath. Those are all really simple things that we can incorporate into our day. And again, you know, these things are not something that I remember to do on a daily basis. I would say probably 80% of my life is still on autopilot. But that other 20% that I've gained of presence from practicing mindfulness and the little bit of practice that I do, just a few minutes a day, it showed me that there's a lot more that I can achieve and that I can grow as a person and as a parent and as a partner and a friend if I continue to incorporate these practices into my life. So I found a really great article. And again, I talked about this um, website, mindful.org. I love it. They have great articles about mindfulness and practically applying mindfulness into your life. And I spoke about this, uh, I think, on the crying episode of the podcast. So I found an article called Seven Things Mindful Families Do Differently. And in this article, it really talks about how the world is getting faster and faster and we're getting busier and busier. But there's a little list of seven ways that they've found that mindful families can do things differently. And this is just to inspire you. You don't have to do all of them. Just pick one of these ideas and try it with your family. So the number one thing mindful families do differently is embrace imperfection. That not only ourselves, but that our children are going to constantly make mistakes. And that's just part of the human experience. But how can we transform those mistakes into learning experiences, into practicing um, acceptance of ourselves and of others, and by modeling to our children when we make mistakes? You know, I think one of the most powerful things we can do as parents is to apologize to our children. Our children are human beings, and they deserve the respect of an apology if we mistreat them. And it really, you know, children do what we do. They don't do what we say. So when a parent apologizes to a child, it's a really powerful experience for a child. It's acknowledging the sacredness and the humanness of that child when often children are made to feel like they have no power or choice. So that can be really powerful to admit our own mistakes, but also to teach our children how to learn from their own mistakes. Number two is listen with curiosity, not with judgment. So when our children are telling us a story and we're we're building up the tension and and we're building up the anxiety and we're waiting to react or we do give a very strong reaction, We are not being curious about what's going on for our children. All we're doing is reacting from a place of what we think is the right thing. And by actually listening to our children or our spouse before we react and taking a deep breath before we say anything, it gives that kind of built-in pause that I spoke about at the beginning of the episode where we can choose whether or not what we're going to say is 
kind? Is it appropriate? And does it need to be said? I think also giving ourselves the option of not answering or reacting in the moment and saying, give me a few minutes, I need to think about this before we give an answer or a reaction to someone can be really powerful. And it can take that kind of emotional charge out of the moment and help us to answer or react in a way that's much more along the lines of who we want to be as a parent and as a partner. Number three is communicate courageously. And this is a big one for me that I've worked on in the last few years is really getting to the bottom of what I want to say or what I need to say, uh, what is unresolved, and checking in with myself and seeing if there are things that I'm feeling resentful about or doubtful about within my relationships. Even with my kids, if it's me feeling resentful about them not being as clean or neat as I'd like them to be. Well, have I even communicated this with them or am I just getting mad and stomping around because everyone, you know, doesn't respect me in the house and throws things everywhere? Well, many of the times I find with these situations when actually talking to to other people about it is that it's really not about me and it's not about me being a bad mom or not, you know, not having a clean house or them being lazy. It's really more about a miscommunication or a lack of communication. So saying those things that are unsaid is really important. And part of being a family is learning to have those tough conversations with each other. The number four way to incorporate mindfulness into your family is to practice appreciation and gratitude. This is really big, and this goes along the lines of appreciating the present moment and appreciating things as they are, which is really one of the foundations of mindfulness and what it's all about. I mean, who doesn't like hearing appreciation for something that you've done or something about you or a quality that people admire? It feels really good. And it it gives us a little encouragement to just keep striving to be better and better. So wouldn't this be a really great way of showing our love to those around us? But it also benefits us because it helps us notice what's happening in the present moment and what we can be grateful for in the present moment. Number five is forgive ourselves and each other. This Sounds really simple, but forgiveness is not easy. And the thing is, when we forgive, we have to forgive and move forward. And that's a big part of mindfulness, too, is acknowledging the humanness in each other. And being human means being very imperfect and making a lot of mistakes. The fact that our children are little humans and they're very imperfect and they make a lot of mistakes and that parents constantly You know, I feel like all I do is make mistakes when I'm parenting, but my kids seem to still love me every single day and are happy to see me when they come home. You know, despite the fact that the morning routine is insane and drives me nuts and it's the most stressful part of my day, my kids walk out the door smiling and happy. So I think just being forgiving It means acknowledging my own humanness because if I make mistakes, I like forgiveness. So I need to turn and give that forgiveness to others. And that means my husband. And that means my kids for just being kids or for being inconsiderate. You know, kids 
are very self-centered naturally. It's a survival mechanism in them. And I think a lot of times myself, I can expect my kids to not be as self-centered as a child should be and to be more appreciative. And kids are just not that way. They learn to be that way over time and by going through challenges and by struggling little by little. But I can forgive my kids for being inconsiderate little kids. And um, it just makes life a lot more harmonious in the home when we can easily forgive each other and know that you know, as family, we really do have each other's best interests at heart, even though it doesn't always come out that way. And I think a lot of times, a lot of the frustrations in our lives and the unspoken emotions do come out in our home because that's our safe place. So just kind of trying to have some understanding and empathy can really go a long way in forgiving very easily. So number six is practice support and generosity. And this really goes back to our kids do what we do. They don't do what we say. So if we can be models of generosity and of support of our loved ones and even people we don't know around us, our kids see what we do. So, you know, stopping and talking to that person who's sitting on the corner of the street asking for money for a moment instead of just walking right by or stopping to help the elderly person cross the street. You know, little acts like that that our kids see, they really, they're remembering and they're processing all of this and they're seeing how to interact with other people in the world because kids get all their information about how to interact in the world from watching us. First they watch us, then they watch their peers but they're always watching their parents and how they interact in the world. So let's be an example of kindness and generosity that we want our kids to be. And number seven is don't forget to play and have fun. And I have a whole episode on the power of play in my previous podcast. And there is a reason why I did a whole episode on play. And it's because play is connection for children. And play is a way to connect with our spouse. And play is a way to connect with ourselves, too. I mean, when we're laughing and having fun, we can be comfortable in our skin and be present in our body and appreciate the moment. And that's the essence of of mindfulness, is appreciating the moment as it is. And so it's really fun to appreciate those moments with our families when we're all having a good time and laughing. And it feels really good. And We can't be in that state all the time. But the good thing about that is when it does happen and when we do get to come together and just leave all the worries and the work and the stress behind and and have fun with our family, then we really, truly appreciate those moments. What I'd like to give to you today to take away is that there are so many different ways to bring mindfulness into your family. And and for yourself, too, this is not, you know, this is, yes, to help uh, make relationships more pleasant and more um, beneficial for everyone. But the main thing is to really tune into yourself and start to listen to your own voice. And in, uh, meditation and mindfulness will give you much more of a window into your own intuition and feelings. And I think as parents, a lot of times we get a lot of outside information and opinions and there's lots of books and there's experts telling us very conflicting information. 
And I tell my clients a lot to tune into their intuition. And some people don't even know how to do this. And so by incorporating a mindfulness practice, whether it is taking a pause to appreciate the moment or taking a breath or trying to do some guided meditation, you will start to appreciate moments for what they are without even thinking about it. Today's reflection is something that I found. I actually got this from Real Simple Magazine. I was looking through it this month's issue. And I found on the last page, there was a page about a little pause in your day. So it says, when you notice you're being hard on yourself, try this to replace negative self-talk with kindness. Gently place your hand on your heart and pause for a few breaths. Let your inhales and exhales be natural and relaxed as you feel the rise and fall of your chest. Notice the sensations there, your heartbeat, warmth. Then make a wish for yourself, something like, may I be strong and healthy, or may I feel peaceful, safe, and content. Take a moment to consider what you need to hear and repeat that silently for a few times. So that's a really simple way that you can pause when you're starting to go down that road of negative self-talk, which who as a human, but then as a parent, doesn't experience that throughout the entire day? I know that I do. So that's a simple way we can bring it back to appreciating ourselves. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. I've really enjoyed bringing these ideas to you. And I will definitely be incorporating more mindfulness into upcoming podcasts. I would absolutely love to hear from you anytime how you enjoyed this episode or any episode or any requests or ideas you have for upcoming shows. You can comment directly on my Facebook or Instagram pages at Nest Family Sleep or The Little Sleep Show on Instagram. You can send me a direct message. You can also comment right on my Podbean page, which is my homepage for this podcast. This episode of The Little Sleep Show was brought to you by Nest Family Sleep Consulting, holistically helping you solve your child's sleep challenges. If your child is having difficulties with sleep, Check out my website at www.nestfamilysleep.com where you can read more about the services that I offer and how I can help you and your family get a more peaceful, restful night's sleep. Have a great rest of your week and don't forget to be kind to yourself because we're all just doing the best we can. We'll be back next Tuesday with a brand new episode. Until then, follow us on Instagram and Facebook for tips on sleep and a whole lot more. See you next week.